Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Point family, and uh, hey, if you got a pen or a pencil, um, if you were ever going to take notes uh, on a message, this would be the message to take some notes on. You'll see why here in just a couple seconds. Hey, uh, while you're doing that, um, let's take care of a couple quick housekeeping things. You know, we're always trying to set strategy for the future that uh, makes sense and is effective. And man, you know, I always want feedback from the right people. And so we just finished four weeks of At the Movies, you know, in the summer. And uh, we kind of did that as like a test drive. We were like, hey, we'll just kind of see how it goes. Never done it before. And uh, you guys let me know, should we do that again next year? What do you think? Okay. All right. Yeah, it seemed like it, uh, you know, you're going to hear about this in a second. An absolutely amazing four weeks. And, uh, and you know, I got to respond to the will of the people. And so um, that's re- really helpful. D- two, I also just want to uh, especially speak to our Lake Point dudes. Talk to our Lake Point dudes. Coming up on August 20th, like we hit in LP News, is Lake Point Men's Night. Uh, pulling out all the stops for that to be a, a really, really um, awesome night. There's going to be an, an, an obscene amount of food, okay, an obscene amount of food. And then we're also um, going to invest in all of our men as uh, husbands, dads, leaders, Christians. And so when you come home and your wife is like, man, it really looks like you ate a lot while you were there, you can say, man, this is not a dad bod, this is a father figure. And so you can kind of kind of get that in, and that's got to be accepted. So um, to uh, sign up for that, go ahead and do that. Um, it's, it's happening at all of our campuses. Um, sign up for Lake Point Men's Night. Uh, just text the word events to 20411, and, um, and uh, you, we can get you taken care of there. Now, last thing. I do want to telegraph what's coming in the next few weeks. This little piece of duct tape bothered me all last service. I'm getting rid of that. Uh, okay, uh, starting next week, <laughs> starting next week, we are starting a series I've been preparing for for five months. Um, the title of the series, we're just calling it Thriving in Babylon. And uh, what we're doing is I'm going to take six to eight weeks. We'll, we'll kind of see. I'm going to see how long it needs to go where we preach the book of Daniel because I, I believe the book of Daniel is in the Bible to be a handbook for the people of God for not just how to survive, but how to thrive when you live in a culture that, that becomes hostile to the things of God. And so, uh, you know, increasingly, I, I feel like that's people's live, kind of their, their felt reality. And so for six or eight weeks, um, I, I'm more and more, you could probably tell, you know, from my preaching in the last few months, I just feel like people are bombarded with so many lies that it, more and more, I just feel like I just need to speak really straightforward in a really straightforward way about uh, what God's Word says. And so we're going to do that um, during Thriving in Babylon. And uh, yeah, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to hit, kind of hit, just really honest, uh, there are these things that I get questions about constantly um, that are, a lot of times they're controversial issues, 
And, uh, and so I, we're just going to take this series and hit a lot of those things. So LGBT issues, what do, do, what do we do with the race conversation, critical race theory? What do we do with the politicization of everything that's happening in our culture? And I just want to go ahead and telegraph something. You've heard me say it before. There are some people who every time I talk about that stuff, they're like, Josh, I don't know if we should talk about that stuff from stage. Here's my deal. If the church won't disciple people, the world sure will. And so we just want to kind of lean right in. Um, to that stuff. And so, uh, man, really excited. So I'm going to be here with my Bible open, my preaching helmet on, and you be here with your spirits open. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Well, here we go. Um, this week is a unique week. Um, we're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a one-off. I, I, I asked to have just this week to do something really unique. And let me set this up. So a couple months ago, Pastor Steve and I, we took an international mission trip to a foreign country called California. <coughs> and uh, while we were there, <laughs> just a joke, uh, while we were there, we were hanging out with some of our church planners. And, uh, and, and there was a guy that was with us that was a national, kind of a national church leadership expert dude. And while he was there, he had just finished this big uh, study of churches in America about how they were doing post-COVID, you know, as we gradually kind of get out of that season. And what he shared with us while we were there is right now, he, the study he just finished, is that the average church in America's attendance right now is 42% of what it was before COVID. Average church in America, 42% of what it was before COVID. Now, really quick, before I say what I'm about to say, I am not saying what I'm about to say to like be dunking on other churches or like we're so great and they're not. That's not it. I'm saying that to put in perspective what God is doing right now in our midst. So, so right now, where average church is about 42% of pre-COVID attendance right now, guys, we're not just over. We are well over pre-COVID attendance right now. We have the highest number of first-time guests we've ever seen since we started recording data as a church. We just finished baptizing over 400 people in the last few months. And in the month of July alone, 500 people gave their lives to Christ at Lake Point. That's right. That's absolutely amazing. Okay, Absolutely amazing. It's like we, we just have finished like one of the best, I feel like a kite caught in a hurricane of grace right now. Now, um, here's why I say that, okay? There's this thing that happened in Jesus' ministry all the time where Jesus would start teaching and then the Bible would say something like, and great crowds started following him. And anytime great crowds started following Jesus, he would always do the same thing. He'd turn around and he'd be like, man, there's all these, all these people are here. And he'd go, man, he'd say something really direct so that they knew exactly what they were following him to. So for instance, in the book of Luke, there's this one time the Bible says that great crowds started following Jesus. And he turned around, he was like, man, there's a lot of people here. And so he'd say something like this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. And then he'd kind of go, everybody understand? All right, good. Now we can keep going. Um, later on in the book of Luke, same thing happened. Great crowds will start to follow Jesus. And he'd turn around, he'd go, whoa, 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 hey. If anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yet, yes, even his own life, he can't follow me. Everybody understand? We good? We good? Okay. All right, good. Now we can keep going. Now listen, I'm not Jesus and you're not the 12 disciples. Newsflash. Okay. But we're in a season right now where there are, it's a great crowd season. And so what I want to do for the, for, for, honestly, for the thousands of people who are brand new to Lake Point, here's what I want to do. I want to take one week and just speak really directly. Here's who we are as a church. Here's what we're about. Here's what we do. Here's how we do it. Here's why we do it. 
so that we move forward. I believe that churches move at the speed of unity. Clarity produces unity and unity produces speed. Churches move at the speed of unity. And so if we're going to move at a speed of accomplishing the mission God's given us, we've got to have clarity on who we are as a church. So what I want to do in, in the next few minutes, i got to move kind of fast. It, 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 here's what I want to do. I want to go, here's who we are as Lake Point Church. Uh, here's what we do. Here's how we do it and why we do it. And if you're new here, honestly, you could not have picked a better week. This is a very unusual message, but you couldn't have picked a better week to be here because you're going to get the best possible insight on who we are as a church. So, so let me lean into it just like this. Um, what we've said for 40 years at Lake Point is that Lake Point Church does two things. We share Christ and build believers. Share Christ, build believers. Share Christ, build believers. 40 years from now, long after, I am, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing this thing anymore. You know, you, you, guys, you, you don't need a, an 80-year-old. You, you don't need me 40 years from now. But after that happens, guess what? 40 years, Lake Point's still going to be doing two things. Share Christ, build believers. Share Christ, build believers. Share Christ, build believers. Now, what we wanted to do is we wanted to find a way to articulate, share Christ and build believers in a way that's actionable so that you know what God wants to do in your life like right now. So it's really interesting. When you start reading your Bibles, notice this. When you read your Bible, you're going to notice there are four things, they're really almost like four steps that God wants to accomplish in your life uh, in every person's life that he encounters. These four steps, and, and here's what they are, is we say it like this, that Lake Point is a movement for all people to these four things. To know God, find freedom, discover calling, and make a difference. Now, that's not my language. A, spir one of, a spiritual mentor of mine helped me understand that. But that's what we say, is that Lake Point is a movement for all people to know God, find freedom, discover calling, and make a difference. Now, what I want to do is walk through each of those and just go, Lake Point, here's who we are, here's how we do that, and here's why we do it, okay? So, we're going to move pretty quick. Here we go, all right? Now, here we go. Number one is what we do, the first thing we do as a church is we help people come to know God. We help people come to know God, and that's the most important thing that we do. Now, Jesus said it like this. Let me explain something. Jesus said it like this. In John 17, 3, Jesus said, now this is eternal life that they know God. That's what eternal life is, that you know God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, what's interesting about that, that verse is the Greek word that gets translated know. It's actually an unfortunate translation. It's the Greek word gnosko, and it doesn't mean know. It means know. It's actually the same word that's used in the book of Genesis when the Bible says that Adam knew his wife Eve and they had babies. It's about it's about relational intimacy. In other words, God's saying, I don't want to be like you're out there religious God. I want to be like up close and personal. Like I want to have a relationship with you. And so the most important thing that we do as a church is we help people know God. And here's how we do it, Lake Point. We do it by creating a church that lost people love to attend. Now, when you hear that, some of you guys, you Bible scholars, you may go, now wait a second, is that what the Bible says we're supposed to do? Well, let me explain this. The reason that we do this, we do it for two reasons. Number one, one, we do it because it's the biblical model. This is the biblical model. Now, let me give you three verses. I, I love these. So first one, John 20, 21. You guys remember, um, the Bible says that God sent Jesus into the world to, quote, seek and to save what was lost, okay? <clears throat> now, into Jesus' ministry, Jesus turns around to all his disciples, and this is what he says. He says, hey, just as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. In, in other words, in the same way God sent me to seek and to save the lost, 
I'm sending you, the church, out to seek and to save the lost. So figure that out. Now that, that's verse number one. Here's verse number two. Now really quick, before I read this verse so as not to freak a whole bunch of people out, let me give a quick disclaimer. The verse I'm getting ready to read is from the end of uh, 1 Corinthians, and there's this big debate in the Corinthian church about how or whether people in the church should speak in tongues in worship services. Now, if you didn't know this, there is massive, very hot debate about what the Bible means when it talks about, quote, speaking in tongues. Now, this, that's a whole different sermon for a whole different time, and I ain't doing it today. So, Here's what we're doing. If you come from a Baptist background, when I read the phrase, speak in tongues from this verse, you just think, oh, he's talking about other languages. And if you come from a Pentecostal background, you can just go on thinking private prayer language. I'm not preaching that sermon today. Don't be distracted. So let's just, this is what's happening. So there was this debate, how and whether people should, quote, speak in tongues in worship services. Now listen, Paul rebukes the church for letting people just stand up in the middle of the service and start doing whatever that is. But listen to his reasoning in 1 Corinthians 14, 23. He says, here's why. He says, because if the whole church comes together and everybody speaks in tongues, he says, what if unbelievers come in? Won't they say you're out of your ever-loving minds? That's, that's the Josh translation. That's what he said. Now, in other words, his logic is, hey, listen, quit prioritizing the preferences of the saved. Start, start planning your services to reach the lost. Do, do that. Why don't you start doing that, okay? Now, oh, you guys are fun. Oh, this will be a fun service. All right, I'm just warming up. This will be fun, okay? Now, next one, last verse, last verse. This is Acts 15, 19. Now, again, I'm going to give you a quick disclaimer. This is, what, this is my favorite example in the whole Bible, okay? Now, here's my disclaimer look, look, for you Bible scholars. The greatest theological debate in the early church was around this question. Do Gentiles who convert to Christianity have to be circumcised? Now, I know that seems really weird to you, but that was literally, it was the biggest theological debate in the New Testament uh, church. And here's why. Because all the first Christians were converted Jews. They saw Jesus because he was as the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, the old covenant God had made, his old relationship with his people. And so they had obeyed all the Old Testament rules and laws. As a result, the, the old covenant sign of a relationship with God had been circumcision. So all the first Christians had been circumcised as a sign of their relationship with God, Jewish people, Old Testament law. So no big deal until God started saving thousands of Gentiles who had not undergone that procedure. And so I want you to imagine this, imagine this uh, a, a conversation between a Gentile dude that's like, I think I want to become a Christian, and, and a Jewish dude who's already a Christian. And the Gentile dude goes, hey man, I, I actually think, I, I think I'm in, man. I, I, think I, I think I'm in on the whole Jesus thing. What do I got to do to become a Christian? And the Jewish guy, just a second, Jewish guy goes, well, man, actually, so number one, you need to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And the Gentile guy goes, that's awesome. I'm in. That's how I'm total, totally in. He goes, okay, well, number two, uh, you need to repent of your sins. So from this day forward, as best you know how, leave this old life and live your life for God in obedience to his commands out of love for him. And Gentile guy goes, actually, that's like what I love the most about Jesus. It seems like he gave us a picture of the best way to live the human life, to love God and people. Now, I'm in. Check. Two for two. Anything else I need to do? 
And then the Jewish guy goes, well, it's not just a religion, it's a relationship. God wants to know you. And so you need, you need to get into his word and spend time in prayer to, to build a relationship with God. And the Gentile goes, it's amazing. Three for three, I'm in. I want to do all these things. And then the Jewish guy goes, well, actually one more thing. <laughs> now, he explains circumcision. Now, as you can imagine, <laughs> shockingly, the early church had tons of women and children convert to Christianity. Dudes were a little more hesitant. What happened is all the Gentile guys, they were pulling up to these churches in their minivans and they were going, hey, babe, why don't you and the kids go in ahead of me? I really got to think about this. I really got Now, you might think that this circumcision thing might not have been that big a deal. But listen, I had a friend whose parents circumcised him when he was born. Guy couldn't walk for a year. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. Some of you guys are going to get that in like three minutes. It happened at every service. Now, so this was the question. Do, now I have a point to say in all this. That was the big question. All these Gentile men were struggling to come to give their lives to Jesus because they were getting caught up on the circumcision thing. So all the best theologians, all the best leaders, all the best Bible teachers got together in Jerusalem to debate that question. And here was their answer from Acts 15, 19. Peter said, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. In other words, let's remove every obstacle we possibly can from people coming to know Jesus. And Lake Point Church, that's our calling. We had an elders meeting recently, it was a few months ago, where um, a question had come up about the style or volume of our music or something like that. I know shockingly, you guys, shockingly people ask those questions every now and then. And, uh, and one of our elders in the meeting, a guy that's about it, a generation above me, it became kind of a holy moment in the meeting. Because in the middle of discussing this, this is what he said. He turned to the rest of us and he said, guys, I like it, referring to kind of our worship style. I like it. But to be really honest, it's not what I put on, it's not what I put on when I'm alone in my car. But then he said, but don't you dare stop doing it because I've got three children and six grandchildren who have never loved church more, and they need it. They need it. You see, listen, what that man was saying is he was saying, listen, it's not about my preferences. Please do anything in your power to make it not difficult for my family to turn to God. Please, please do that. And listen, Lake Point Church, this this is the most important part of our vision that we help people come to know God. And listen, here's why. Because heaven and hell are real. Heaven and hell are real. Listen to me. This is not a game. This is not some game. Churches lose sight of this over the years and they start catering to the preferences of the saved instead of prioritizing reaching the lost. Here's what I've learned. Lo, these many years of growing up in church. Here's what I've learned. Church people love to talk about reaching the lost until you actually do it. They love to talk about reaching the lost until you actually do it. So they love talking about reaching the lost, but then as soon as you start doing things to do it, they say things like, oh my gosh, you're asking me to move to the campus that's closest to my house? I can't believe it. I got to give generously to provide for the vision and mission. Loud music. I got to serve on a ministry team. They see things like, oh man, it's too crowded. The Lake Point parking lot's like an episode of The Hunger Games. This is ridiculous. I, I just, they just start complaining about everything. Or they say things like, man, all this stuff we're doing is just uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Guys, listen to me. 
The cross was uncomfortable for Jesus, but he went there so you could be in a relationship with God. And that is what we are called to do. You know, every now and then, I actually will have people say this to me. I've had people say in the live, man, Josh, reaching all these people, all these first-time first guests is amazing. But man, isn't the church getting too big? Isn't the church getting too big? Can I just sound off on this for a second? Let me vent some anger. Can I do that? Okay. You, do you know what you've never heard in your whole life? You've never heard somebody drive past the hospital and say, that hospital's getting too big. They're helping too many sick people. You have never heard somebody say that in your whole life. So let me answer the question that I have actually been asked before. How big is big enough? Well, here's the answer to that question. The church is big enough when there are no more lost people headed to an eternity apart from God. That's when the church is big enough because heaven and hell are real. So the most important thing we do is we exist, Lake Point Church, to help people come to know God. So let me ask you in a very straightforward way, listen, do you know God? Do you know God? I'm not asking if you attend church. I'm not asking if you believe the right doctrines. I'm not even asking if you're a conservative person with Judeo-Christian values. Listen to me. There will be people in hell who had Judeo-Christian values. Your Judeo-Christian values will not save you. Jesus saves you. Jesus saves you. So have you, have you accepted Jesus, not morality? Not, not, have you accepted Jesus? I'm not asking if you're trying to obey the rules. I'm asking if you know a person and his name is Jesus, 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 Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know God? So that's the most important thing that we do. We help people come to know God. Now, once we help people come to know God, the second thing we do as a church is we exist to help people find freedom, get freedom from their issues and their sins. And here's how we do it. We do it in life groups. That's where this happens. Now, if you're going, why do we, why do, we do it in life groups? Well, I'm a Bible teacher, so let me give you the best reason. Because, because that's the biblical model. That's the biblical model. One verse, Acts 2.46. Now, some context here. So, day of Pentecost, Peter preaches, uh, the Spirit falls, great move of the Spirit. The first time, so 3,000 people are saved in Jerusalem at that first worship service. And I just want to point this out. The first church that ever existed was a mega church. Just want to point that out. And so 3,000 people are there and they get saved. And then we get this beautiful description of what that church did with their newfound life in Christ. And in Acts 2.46, it says this. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the, watch this, temple courts. And they broke bread together in their number two homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they had like large group worship in the temple but then they had small group ministry, house to house. So temple worship and house to house ministry. Large group worship, but then they had life groups. That's what the first church did. Now, if you're going, why? Why did they do that? Let me give you a sentence. This is a keystone sentence for your spiritual life. So if you're going to write something down, write this down. Here's why. Because God uses faith in Christ to get you forgiveness, but he uses the family of Christ to get you freedom. Faith in Christ to get you forgiveness. Use the family of Christ to get you freedom. Now, uh, let, let me preach about that for a second. Guys, the Bible says that the whole world is lorded over by the father of lies. And here's the lie that the devil wants you to believe about your issues. Here, here's the lie he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe the lie. I can get freedom alone. I can get, if I just, 
work on it enough and think about it enough and dig into my emotions enough and look inward enough and do enough resolutions, I, I can get freedom alone. No, no, that's not true. That's a lie. Here's the truth that the Bible teaches is that every breakthrough in your life will only come after a breakdown. Here's what I mean by that. Do you know when you're going to get a breakthrough in your marriage? It will never, ever happen until you break down in the company of another mature Christian man or Christian woman and you take off the mask and you break down and go, here's what's really going on. I'm really struggling. Can you pray for me? The breakthrough will never come until you have a breakdown. Do you know when the breakthrough comes in your addiction? It's not when you get alone and make enough resolutions and put enough accountability measures up and I'll never do this again and make all the promises. No, 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 that's not what happens. You know what happens? The breakthrough in your addiction comes when you finally break down and you get honest with God yourself and at least one other person about the slavery you've been in in your addiction. Somebody that believes in the resurrecting power of Jesus through his spirit that can be put in you to set you free from your issues. And then that person walks alongside of you as a spiritual family member on your way to freedom. The breakthrough never comes. It only comes on the other side of a breakdown. In fact, if you're not believing me, let me prove it to you from the Bible. Now, really quick, again, I'm giving you lots of context. I like teaching the Bible, okay? So a lot of people think about confessing their sins, and they know that we're supposed to confess to God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, God. But a lot of people stop there with confessing to God, and they miss out on what the Bible wants for you. You're not only supposed to confess your issues to God. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to who? To one another. And pray for each other that you, why? That you may be healed. So here's what the Bible teaches. We confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to people for healing. And until you break down and get honest with other Christians about what's going on in your life, you're never going to have that breakthrough. It's the only way that it happens. Um, so here's my illustration of this. Some of you have heard me uh, tell, uh, talk about this because it's an anchor story in my life. Um, years ago, when I, was, I first got into ministry, I was a youth pastor in rural Kentucky. I was not that great at it, and you don't make a ton of money doing that. And so Jana, uh, got to, um, she, she has a speech-language pathology degree. And so Jana, just to make ends meet, started teaching a speech uh, therapy uh, sessions out of our little 600-square-foot condo. And there was a student Jana had that as soon as we had him in our house, we realized, like, hey, something's off. Uh, and his, I'm going to call him Samuel. And so we noticed a few things. One, every time Jana would give Samuel um, a snack, he would either shove it in his mouth real fast or he'd put it in his backpack, like slices of pizza in his backpack. Um, Samuel would never look somebody in the eye. He would always like, I mean, to an awkward degree. And then um, anytime uh, somebody tried to, if you touched Samuel, he would flinch like he just touched a stove. Um, but the, the weirdest one was in our youth group, Samuel, um, sometimes if he liked somebody, he would grab their hand and he would, he would actually lick people to show affection. And we were like, man, what in the world is going on? Until eventually, it was discovered that Samuel was a foster child that had been brought in by a wicked, abusive foster family who they didn't care about Samuel at all. They just wanted the check from the government 
So both of them had gone out and gotten full-time jobs, and they were storing Samuel in dog crates with their dogs for nine hours a day. So guess where Samuel learned, if food is given to you, you got to eat it fast. Well, by competing with dogs for his lunch. Um, Guess where Samuel learned, like, never let anybody touch you. Because he learned the only reason somebody would want to touch you is to hurt you. And guess where Samuel learned to like lick people to show affection? Now, that was his life until one day this godly, Jesus-y couple in our church adopted Samuel. And they brought him into their family and they made him a son. But the minute he became a son, uh, all his weird behavior didn't go away that instant. But the longer he was in the family, they just kept, hey, Samuel, you're not an orphan anymore. You're our son. You don't have have to have an orphan mentality. You can have a sonship mentality. Hey, Samuel, you don't have to do the things you used to do because now you're not the person you used to be. You're part of our family now. Hey, Samuel, not like that, like this. And gradually over time, Samuel got freedom from the orphan habits that remained in his life. Now watch this. Listen really close. All it took was the ruling of a judge to get Samuel out of an orphanage. But it took a family to get the orphan out of Samuel. You are the exact same way. Guys, all it took was faith in Christ to get you forgiveness. That's all it took. But God uses the family of Christ to get you freedom from your issues. And you're never, you're never going to get freedom from those issues alone. So you might think that right now you look at your issues and you're like, oh, I'm just one promotion, one raise, one job, one move, one diet, one election away from changing my life. Wrong. You're one relationship away from changing your life. You need to walk with other Christians in a spiritual family. So here's my action step on this one. If you're not, are you, are, are you a part of a life group? A spiritual family is walking with you. If you are and you just kind of slipped out of the habit, listen, it's time to come on back. And not just for you, but for the other people in your group that need your presence and need your ministry. Not just for you, for them. But if you're not part of a life group, I want you to stop listening to me right now and actually play with your phone for the next 30 seconds. And I want you to text the word GROUP to the number 20411 and we'll help you test drive a life group immediately immediately so do that right now so we help people come to know god then we help people find freedom after that what we do is we lake point church we are a church that helps people discover their calling and we do this why because god designed a calling and he created you to fulfill that calling and you're never gonna be happy until you're pouring yourself out, listen, not just for a a compensation, not just for a career, but for the calling you were put on this planet to fulfill. Listen, God did not put you on this planet to consume time and money and resources until you die. He put you on this planet to do something for his glory and people's good. The book of Ephesians says it like this. It says, for we, are God's handiwork, so he crafted you, created in Christ Jesus, why? To do good works, which God prepared in advance, the Bible says, for us to do. So before you were born, God had already planned what he wanted you to do with your life. Now here's the problem. Most people never discover their calling, so they certainly never fulfill it. 
They certainly never fulfill it. Now, how we help people discover their calling at Lake Point Church, we have a class called the Next Steps class that's designed to help you discover your calling. So if you're new and you're like, I have no idea what it is, right now, stop listening to me again, and you can text the word NEXT to 20411 to be at our next Next Steps class where we help you discover your calling. Now, now here's why we help people, uh, why we do it that way. It's really obvious. People need help discovering their callings. Um, 1 Peter 4 says this. God has given each of you, circle this word, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well to serve one another. Now, now listen, here's what your spiritual gift is. It's the thing in your life that supernaturally builds the kingdom. But watch this. It also fulfills you. Builds the kingdom and fulfills you. Uh, let me give you an example from my life. So uh, let me just be really honest with you guys. I am not in my natural talent. I am not an amazingly gifted communicator. I, uh, in high school, I was on the speech team in high school because I'm cool like that. And uh, I saw a speech team. True story. Uh, in every speech uh, competition I ever participated in, I never placed in a single event that I was a part of, like Ofer for all of high school. Uh, I honestly, I'll be honest with you, I personally don't think I'm a very good preacher. Um, whenever I finish writing a sermon, I always think this is not very good. And to be honest, when I finish preaching a sermon, I usually think that wasn't very good. And uh, this, this is actually, this is a true story. I literally have a recurring nightmare that I wake up on a Sunday morning, I drive here to the Rockwall campus, I walk out to preach, and there is no one here because everybody decided I was a terrible preacher. They all stayed home. The only person in my dream in the entire auditorium is Jana, my wife Jana, but she's on the front row on her iPhone watching a Steve Stroop sermon. <laughs> that's, like, that's like for real, like an actual dream I have actually had. So listen, I, I don't, in my natural ability, I don't know that I'm that gifted a communicator. I don't think I'm that great at it. But here's what I have noticed, and just, I'm just going to own this. I hope this doesn't sound arrogant. What I've noticed is that when I teach the Bible, God supernaturally uses it in a way that's disproportionate to my natural gifts. I've just, I've just noticed that. That's a spiritual gift. You have one too. You have one too. God will uh, use your gifts, your talents, your life experiences, and he'll leverage them. He'll infuse them with the power of his spirit uh, for, to build his kingdom. I have a pastor friend named Michael Carrion that's a, a pastor in the South Bronx in New York City. And he's seeing this incredible move of God where he has all these people being converted to Christ. And he had this guy that he didn't know anything about him, but this guy was a, a converted drug dealer. And he had just given his life to Christ. And he came, you know, to Michael and he was like, hey man, like, you know, I want to I wanna use my life in a church to make a difference for the kingdom. And so Michael was like, well, hey, man, what skills do you have? And he was like, I, I don't know if I have any skills. And so not knowing anything about the guy, Michael said, well, uh, what did you do before you were a Christian? And the guy stuttered around for a second. He said, well, I was into, like, pharmaceutical distribution, you know. <laughs> and Michael ended up kind of pulling that thread, and he figured out the guy's backstory. He realized the guy actually had a great business mind. That's why he, why he was successful on the streets. He put him over the finances of the church, and the finances of the church grew exponentially. Now, quick disclaimer. We do not have a recently converted drug dealer over the finances of Lake Point Church. 
I just want to like make that for the very public record, <laughs> okay? But the, the, uh, the principle holds. You have something like that in your life. I heard somebody say the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you discover why. And God has given you a gift that he entrusted to you and he didn't give it to you so you could use it for you. He gave it to you so you could leverage it for his glory and the good of people. And when that happens, when everybody does that, it leads to the fourth thing that we help people do. We end up making a huge difference for the kingdom of God in this world. We help people make a difference. Now, let me land the plane on this message like this, show, show you what I mean, okay? And then I need to, yeah. So this was brought home to me um, a few years ago. Jan and I went on, our, it was uh, coming up on six years ago. Jan and I went on a 10-year anniversary trip to Rome um, because I'm like a huge church history nerd. You're just learning all these cool things about me in this sermon. And uh, so I, I wanted to go to Rome and see it. And there was one place in Rome where I became very, I was overwhelmed with emotion. And uh, I want to show you this spot, um, show you this spot right here. This is me and Jana standing right in front of what's known as the Roman Forum. So th this was like the town square of Rome 2,000 years ago, right around the time of Jesus. And uh, if you look really close at this picture, you can see a joyful tear escaping from my right eye. And here's why I became so emotional in this moment, okay? Let's go to this next picture. Because I was standing here looking at the Roman Forum. And right in the middle there, you, you can, it's kind of a little bit into the back. Right in the middle there, there's what was called the Roman Senate. And all you can see is the ruins of it. And I sat there and I was looking at this place that was there 2,000 years ago. And right in that Roman Senate, the people who thought, listen, who thought that they were the most powerful men in the world, that's what they thought. They stood in that building and they passed laws and they appointed Caesars and they leveraged the greatest, most advanced military the world had ever seen. Do you know what they said? You can actually go in your history books and see what they said. They thought they were, quote, building a kingdom that would never end. That's what they said. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at all this and I became overwhelmed with emotion because a then 32-year-old Christian Josh, what I know is that while those men strode atop those buildings and passed laws, appointed leaders, uh, wielded military might, and thought they were the most powerful people in the world, what they didn't know is that directly underneath their feet, there was this group of people just like us, this new group of people that people had just started calling Christians, meeting in these dug out tunnels underneath the city of Rome in what's called the catacombs. And there were just a few of them, but they were there and they were huddled around this book and they read things like Acts chapter one where Jesus said, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And they went forward in that life-giving power and they bore witness to the life-giving message of Jesus we call the gospel. And guys, listen, I became overwhelmed with emotion because today the Roman Empire is dead. Jan and I paid $15 to walk through their ruins. But the church of Jesus Christ, look around you right now. The church of Jesus Christ is alive and well. We are meeting all over the globe, seven continents. We are here today. Why? Because we were given power. You were given a distribution of the spirit and power. And today, this is the kingdom that will never end. This is the kingdom that's indestructible. And the way that we got here is because people throughout the centuries and the ages, they step forward in those spirit-given gifts and leverage their lives to make a difference for the glory of God and the good of people. That's what we're called to do, which brings me to this moment in the life of Lake Point Church. Okay, this, we're in a very unique season right now. This is a picture of this room in the middle of July when church attendance is usually really low. It was like packed standing room only. That, that's right now, okay? Last week, Jan and I took a visit to uh, all our different campuses. This is our Firewheel campus. It's one of our fastest growing campuses at Lake Point. Jan and I walked into this service, and here's what you're seeing. This room was standing room only with families standing along the back wall because they could not find a seat to be able to sit down to worship Jesus and hear the Bible preached. That, that was happening at the Firewheel campus. Our Town East campus just set an attendance record in July. Our Forney campus is adding a third service in the next couple weeks. Over 500 people have already texted launch to be a part of the North Dallas campus launch team. We're playing that new campus in downtown Dallas. Our White Rock campus is exploding, reaching tons and tons and tons of new, young, single, young families. They've got a life group there that we met with that in the last few months has grown from nine to 70 because all these people are flooding in. And here's why I say all this, okay, track with me. Because Jesus said this, Matthew 9, when he saw the crowds in Lake Point, we, we got some crowds by God's grace. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, hey guys, harvest is plentiful. In other words, you're never gonna have a harvest problem. I'm gonna take care of that. Here's the problem, workers are few. Workers are few. We'll have as much harvest as we have workers, Jesus said. Therefore, pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so that brings me to this card you got on your way in. Will you grab this right now? Everybody grab this right now. Even if you're not gonna do anything with it, just grab it to boost my self-esteem. That'd be great. Let's do it. Grab this guy right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me just be really honest. We are seeing so many people right now come, be saved, getting plugged into the life of the church that we need, listen to me, we don't need a few, we need hundreds. <laughs> we need hundreds of people to step forward and make a difference with their lives, with their gifts in the church to build his kingdom. So here's what this is. Here's all we need. I'm asking you, if you are not an active part of a volunteer ministry team at Lake Point, like we need you, we need you. And so I'm asking you, here's what this is. All we need is your name, email address, and phone number. That's all we need. And then what this is, is the three areas at every campus where we need the most help, where your service will make the biggest difference for the kingdom, to see more people in heaven. These three things. I'm asking you right now while I'm talking, stop listening to me. 
fill this guy out and check the box of the ministry area where you would be willing to serve so that we can actually take care of all the people that God is drawing to himself in our midst. Now, that's what we need you to do right now. As soon as I'm done, there's gonna be people at all of our campuses, these little red buckets walking around in the aisles. Just drop that in one of those things on your way out. We'll take care of the rest. I'm asking you to do this because if we don't, we simply can't minister to the number of people God is bringing to us right now. So would you do that like right now in your seat while I'm talking, you've got your pastor's permission to keep your eyes open during the prayer while you're filling this guy out. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you for entrusting us with this very special outpouring of your spirit. We do not take this for granted. Father, I pray that we would humble ourselves under your mighty hand and step forward to be used by you, to use our gifts for your kingdom and the renewal of the world. Father, would you please move us by your spirit. I pray that we would steward this well, that you would see that we were faithful with a little, and so you would keep entrusting us with more and more and more. You said to ask, and you'll give us the nations as our inheritance. And so, Father, we pray that the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, and that you'd use us to do that right now. We pray those things in the crucified, risen name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital.